Welcome to the teaching ministry of The Cause Church. We pray you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. We're in a series called Origins, Back to the Beginning, and we're focusing on the first couple chapters of Genesis. And two weeks ago, we started and we focused on the first two verses of the Bible, Genesis chapter one, verses one and two, and we talked about in the beginning, God. Last week, my message was called Rulership Responsibility, and we focus on Genesis chapter one, verse 28. Today, we're gonna go back to Genesis one again, and uh, we're gonna look at verses 26 and 27 primarily, and I wanna talk to you, the title of my message today is In the Image of God, In the Image of God. Turn with me to Genesis chapter one. You can stay seated, we just stood up, so go ahead and just stay seated this morning. But Genesis chapter one, starting in verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27, would you read that together with me out loud? Ready, go. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Let's skip to uh, chapter two and let's look at verse seven. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. Man became a living being. The, uh, the NBA Finals are going on right now. I don't know if you care about basketball or not. I actually haven't watched any basketball this year at all. just haven't been that, all that interested. But most people, and there's arguments today, people like to talk about it on the radio sports talk shows, but most people would probably say that the greatest basketball player of all time is who? Michael Jordan. Sorry, LeBron James. It's still Michael. He's the GOAT. Michael Jordan, I can remember watching Michael Jordan, six NBA championships, 6-0, two times, three in a row. <laughs> Scottie Pippen, all those guys. Michael Jordan. My favorite basketball player is Kobe Bryant. Come on, the all-time greatest Laker, I think, 20 years with the Lakers, five NBA championships, beating the evil Boston Celtics. I hope that they get crushed in the NBA Finals by the Warriors. No love for the Celtics. And Kobe talked about how he modeled basically everything he did after Michael Jordan. He walked like him. He talked like him. He tried to do everything on the court that Michael did. He stole all of his moves, tried to perfect them and make them even better. In fact, Jordan recently said in an interview, he said that Kobe in his prime might have been, might have been, <laughs> might have been the only other player who could beat Michael one-on-one. -on -one. Jordan said that recently. And so watching Kobe play, for those of you that are basketball fans, come on, if you're not just, I'm almost done with this analogy. <laughs> like, how long is he gonna talk about this? Watching Kobe play was like an image, like a likeness of watching Michael play. He was awesome. <laughs> Genesis tells us that you and I were created in the image and likeness of God. Let us make man. That, that word means mankind and humanity. 
in our image, the plural language, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, the triunity of God, right there, page one of the Bible and throughout scripture, in our image, the word image means a representation, a likeness, a model or example of something. And according to our likeness, that word means similitude or that which has a similarity. Nothing in all of God's creation is made in his image except for you and I. We're the only ones of all of God's creation. We were created to be like God. In other words, to be godly, to be holy, to take on his values, his attitudes, and his character. To say it differently, to become like Jesus. And we'll come back to that in a minute. I'm not talking about becoming divine. The Bible nowhere says that we will be divine. Only God is divine. He's the creator, we're his creation. Some cults, some New Age philosophies try to say that we, we're divine or we can become gods. That's not what the Bible says. But we do need to understand the truth of what it means to be created in his image because it will help us to live for him, to live fully and completely for him, and also to refute the lies of our world and our culture. <clears throat> Let me say it differently. In order to have a healthy self-image, a healthy, proper, biblical self-image, you need to have a healthy revelation of the fact that you were created in God's image, that you were made in his image, and understand the implications of that. If you were being honest with, completely honest with yourself or with somebody else, the truth is that some of us don't really love ourselves. We don't like ourselves. I'm not talking about there's things that you don't like about yourself. That's probably true of any, anybody if you're, <laughs> you know, if you have any self-awareness. I'm talking about you just, you really don't love yourself. You don't like yourself. You, you hate yourself. And, and maybe you've even contemplated suicide or, or self-harm and, Part of that, I think, is because you either, you either don't fully know and understand and believe or you just reject the truth that you were made in the image of God. It might be because you carry guilt or shame from your past, maybe things that you've done or things that have happened to you. It might be because labels have been placed on you throughout your life or words spoken over you that were lies and untrue from other people. It might be confusion or deception about how God has created you. And so I wanna focus on this today. I wanna, I wanna give you what I think are five foundational truths of being created in the image of God. Five foundational truths of being created in the image of God. Number one, we focused on this last week, so I'm just gonna give it to you. I'm not gonna preach on it. But number one is that you were created in God's image to rule in life under God's authority. Genesis 1:28, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion. You can listen to the message last week if you missed it. Number two, you were created in God's image with his breath of life in you, which means you have priceless value to God. You have priceless value to God. Genesis chapter two, by the way, gives a, a more in-depth picture of how God created man and woman. In verse seven, we just read it, it says, 
the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. Plants do not have God's breath of life in them. Trees do not have God's breath of life in them. Animals do not have God's breath of life in them, especially cats, all right? (laughs) Only humans have God's breath of life in them. And because of that, every single one of us, we have divine destiny. We have infinite worth. We have priceless value to the creator. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, for we are God's masterpiece. Some translations say workmanship. In the Greek, poema. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. That word masterpiece means exactly what you think it means, men and women. It means a one-of-a-kind work of art. God can create more trees. He can create more galaxies and solar systems. (laughs) Scientists say the universe is still expanding. That's easy. But he will never create another person just like you. Of all the people from the beginning, from Adam and Eve up until now, that have lived and walked on this planet, men and women, there is not one other who is exactly like you. There's not one who has your exact DNA or your exact thumbprint. You are a one-of-a-kind masterpiece and work of art. It's one of the reasons why you are so valuable to God. This is, let, let me, let's say, look at it a different way. First Peter chapter one, verse 18. For you know, Peter writes, one of Jesus' best friends, he says, for you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ. The sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Not only did God create you, but he also saved you. And he paid the ultimate price to save you and rescue you from sin and death so that you could have abundant and eternal life. And the price was his sinless, holy, perfect blood that he shed for you on the cross. We just took communion. My brother Josh did a great job leading us in, in communion. How much value do you think there is in just one drop of the blood of Jesus? Men and women, just one drop of his blood that he shed over 2,000 years ago, just one drop has enough power in it to cleanse you and I and everyone from all of our sin, from all of our unrighteousness, from all of our brokenness. Just one drop of his blood has enough to heal all sickness in your body. Just one drop of his blood has enough to reconcile you with God, to become the bridge between you and God. Just one drop of his blood has enough to redeem you. Just one drop of his blood has enough power to break the break the devil's hold and hell's attack on your life. Just one drop of his blood. And he paid for you and I with his own blood. So you have immense worth to God. You are made in his image. Number three, you are created in God's image with 
physical characteristics that he determined before you were even conceived, including your gender, including your gender. Jeremiah chapter one, verse five. I, I love this verse. I've always loved this. God says, I knew you before. Say before. Come on, say it again. Say before. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before, say before. Before you were born, I set you apart. Amazing. And there are several other verses in the Bible that talk about that, that, that uh, speak to that truth. Before you were even born, I knew you. By the way, this is one of many, many reasons. The Bible is crystal clear on this topic, that life begins in the womb, which is one of the reasons that abortion is wrong. It's absolutely wrong. That's not a political statement. That's a biblical statement, men and women. You think, why wasn't abortion talked about in the Bible? Because it, was, it would have been so unbelievable to God's people. They, that thought would have never even crossed their mind. In fact, God destroyed, I, I wasn't planning on talking about this, but I guess I am. God destroyed nations, wicked, evil nations that he called to repent and refused to repent because they would sacrifice their children. They would throw them off of cliffs or they would burn them in the fire. That's the same thing that we're doing right now in our nation with abortion right now. Life begins in the womb. Anyways, God knew you before he created you. Turn with me to Psalm 139. Flip in your Bible. I'll read it from my notes, but you can turn there if you want. Psalm 139 is so powerful. It says, in fact, it was written by David, inspired by the Holy Spirit. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship, there's that word again, your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before, say before, before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before, before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Wow. How much does God value you? How much does he love you? God created you and he chose every characteristic about who you are, every physical characteristic, your personality traits. Some of you think, no, he didn't. My parents did it. I came from their DNA. Who do you think chose your parents? Who do you think chose their parents and their parents and their parents? Who do, you, who do you think had you born where you were born? Who do you think placed you in the family that you were placed in? Who do you think chose your hair color, your eye color, your skin color? Who do you think chose your gender? Genesis 2, I talked about, gives more detail how God created man and woman. Genesis 2, verse 7, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. That word in Hebrew also means squeezed. <laughs> it's a funny picture because it's almost like God picked up dirt, squeezed it, and threw it down. 
And there was the man. <laughs> God squeezed. And then, and then it says in Genesis 2, a little bit later on, talking about how God created woman. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. And then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. The word made in Hebrew also means fashioned. <laughs> I think that's husbands. Come on, husbands. Aren't you thankful that God fashioned your wife? Somebody, hey, let me try again. You're, you should say amen there, especially if you're sitting. Aren't you glad that God fashioned your wife? All right, I'm trying to help you earn some points. It's almost, as, it's almost as if God took more time. I, I, I know this is true. This is just funny to me. It's almost as if God took more time creating the woman than he did the man, which makes sense, doesn't it? It's like, just squeeze some dirt, throw it down. I think I could probably do better than that. <laughs> Here's the point. Listen, gender, male and female, both together, are directly and intimately connected to being created in the image of God. Let's go back to Genesis 1:27. God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him, and then it explains male and female he created them. In fact, Jesus himself affirms this. Jesus quotes from Genesis two times. This is one of them. He says, he answered and said to them, have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? So when God wanted to display his image on the earth, when he wanted to give us a picture, one picture of what he is like, he created male and female. There are only two genders. There's only Two, why do you think there's such a demonic, hellish attack on gender in our culture today? It's because, it's because Satan hates God, and because Satan hates God, he hates human beings who are made in the image of God, and because we're made in the image of God, he wants to attack one of the most core things to who we are as human beings. He wants to attack gender. Because listen, if he, can, if he can get us to start to doubt that we're made in the image of God, then he creates confusion about gender. And if he creates confusion about gender, then he gets us to start to question our sexuality. And if he can get us to question our sexuality, then he starts to break down what marriage is as he defined it. And if he can break marriage down, then he can start to redefine families and what families are and break those down. And if he can take families down, then society begins to crumble. And if if society begins to crumble, then a nation falls. And that is, that's the path that we're on today, by the way, men and women. And it, and it has increased dramatically in the last five years. Our culture increasingly embraces, not only embraces, but celebrates, celebrates the lie. It is a lie from the pit of hell of gender fluidity, transgender, and multiple genders. In fact, if you just did... Just do a Google search, how many genders are there? You will get a number of different answers. I'm not, I'm not making this up, I'm not trying to be funny right now. You'll get 11, you'll get 72, you'll get 82, because culture says, what culture is saying is that gender is a social construct 
based on how you feel. Men and women, do you see the lie in that? I feel a lot of things. If I acted on everything that I felt, I would be in prison right now for a long time. We don't, we don't live based on how we feel. We, based on, we live based on the truth of God's word. And if how I feel or how I think or how I behave doesn't line up with the word of God, guess what needs to change? There's the word of God. I can either keep going down this old, my, my own path, the old path, and getting further and further away from God's original intention and design, or when I, when I hear the truth of God's word, when I read it in scripture, when a preacher or somebody else tells me, then I, can, then I have a choice. Now I need to line up. I can choose to line up my thinking and my feelings and my behavior according to the word of God. I can submit my own sin and brokenness. Come on, all... My, my sinful nature, which is inclined to do whatever, whatever it is, I won't even tell you what it is, right? I can submit that to the power of the Holy Spirit. I could submit that to Jesus. I can put on the new man, and then I can begin to walk in truth and God's blessing in my life. Disney recently announced that up to 50% of their characters in future shows and movies will represent the LGBTQ community, which includes doing away with gender, because the T and the Q... I have to do with gender identity. On March 31st, the White House recognized Transgender Day of Visibility. The White House, back in the fall, appointed a transgender health official as a four-star admiral in the U.S. Public Health Service Commission. On passports now, you don't have to check male or female. You can choose an X to say that you're neither or you're something else. Our government is endorsing sex change surgery and hormone therapy, not just for adults, but for children, for children. The truth of God's word always overrides the opinions and lies of man. And there's a spiritual war going on that is attacking the very image of God. And it's not just, listen, it is not just quote unquote adolescent confusion it is demonic deception, and it's targeted at our kids. It is targeted at our kids. And parents, let me talk to you for a moment, because <laughs> I'm a parent. I got one in high school, one in junior high, and one in diapers. <laughs> Part of our job as parents is to protect our children. And so we don't allow, you don't allow them, we don't allow them to watch certain media things. And we put filters on their phones so they can't access God only knows what they're looking at and, and garbage and stuff on YouTube. And we pay attention to who they're hanging out and who their friends are. And we pay attention to how they're dressing or how they want to dress, how they're talking. Come on. We, we uh, pay attention to what's being taught in their schools and in the classrooms. You think, well, I just want, to, want them to make their own choices. I don't want to you know, force Jesus down their throat. I want them to you know, live their own truth. There's only one truth. It's the word of God. And the Bible says in Proverbs, train up your children in the way that they should go. It is your, it is your job, it is your responsibility before God to train them in the ways of the Lord. Now listen, they all have free will. They're gonna do what they want, but you, it's not forcing Jesus down their throat. They're getting forced garbage down their throat every which way they turn. They're getting indoctrinated and brainwashed at the highest levels by demonic stuff. You ought to teach them the truth of the word of God. 
so they understand they can make their own decision. If they want to reject God's truth when they grow up, then that's between them and God, but at least you did your part in teaching them. That's part of loving them. Listen, you don't let your kids go out and, and play on the freeway just because they feel like it. You tell them, no, that's wrong. You teach them what's right and what's wrong. Come on, somebody. All right, I'm, I'm getting way more into this than I anticipated, but if, if your daughter comes to you and says, says, says you know, Mom, I feel like I'm a boy. You ought not to affirm that, honey, well, if that's how you feel. No, you affirm the fact that God created her as a beautiful woman. You affirm the gender that God shows. And, and vice versa. You know, our dad, Josh and I had a great dad. We had an awesome dad. My dad, Pastor Bob. And we can remember some of my earliest memories, wrestling with my dad. Come on, that's what boys should do. They should jump off couches, break things occasionally, and wrestle. You know, and my dad thought he would, he would kind of allow us to think that we're winning, and then when I realized I wasn't winning, I'd get really angry. <laughs> Josh would sneak attack and, you know, he'd jump and do all these things. I was just wrestling. Listen, that's part of what good moms and good dads do. <laughs> here's, here's a couple websites. You can put them up real quick if you need some resources to help your kids with the gender issue. I looked up a couple of them. These are all trusted. By the way, Sean McDowell, that should have one L, or I'm sorry, two L's in it, not three, but you can look those websites up or take a picture of it. Listen, anyone who, who says or thinks that they're the wrong gender is essentially saying, God, you messed up. You made a mistake. That, that's exactly what you're doing. No, God, God created you how he wanted to. And there, maybe there's some confusion there. Maybe, you know, you've had some different feelings. Listen, I'm not, I'm not dismissing that. I'm just saying you line up your life according to the truth of God's word. And, and let me also just say this, because, listen, if you're struggling in this area or any area, God loves you. He loves you. And there is hope, there is help, and there is healing in this house. And we can connect you with some people and with some resources that'll help you. Psalm 139, verse 14, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Number four is this, you are created in God's image as a spiritual, intellectual, moral, and relational being. Spiritual, intellectual, moral, and relational being. In other words, there's no other creation part of God's creation that was created like that. We see this in Genesis chapters two and three. God wants you to grow and flourish in all of these areas of your life. So you, you ought to be growing, you ought to be flourishing in all these areas. You're a spiritual being, mean, meaning that your spirit is immortal and will outlast your earthly bodies. It will live forever, either with God in heaven or separated from God in hell. We're intellectual beings. We can think, reason, and solve problems. We can grow in wisdom and knowledge. We can renew our mind, Romans 12, 2. That's why it says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We're moral beings. We can discern right from wrong, which makes us accountable to God. God has given us free will. We have the ability to choose and make our own decisions. You think, why did he do that? I think I addressed this a few weeks ago because if you're gonna have love, you have to have free will. If you're forced to love something or someone, that's not love, that's something else. 
Love in its essence demands and requires that you can choose to accept it or choose to reject it. And so he gave us free will because God is love to accept him or reject him, to follow his ways or our own ways. And God's ways are always better to obey or to sin, to choose good or choose bad, to be a Dodgers fan or a Giants fan, to eat tacos or sandwiches. The choice is yours. Second Peter one, verse five, in view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with the generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge. And then we're also relational beings. We can give and receive love. God created us to be in relationships, first and foremost with him and then with other people. One of the reasons you need to have a, a church family is because you need a family. It's not just to come once a week and worship or grow spiritually or hear the word of God preach. That is it's very important. But equally important is fellowship and relationships and knowing people and making friends, people that are going to pray for you and encourage you and walk with you and love you. Jesus said in, in Luke 22, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Other uh, translations or other gospels say that. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Number five is this. I'll close here. You are created in God's image to walk in a loving, close personal relationship with him in a loving, close, personal relationship with him. In Genesis chapter three, tells the story of Adam and Eve being deceived and, and choosing to rebel against God and, and sin against God. And it says in verse eight, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden and the Lord God called to Adam and said to him where are you God knew exactly what had happened <laughs> he knew what had happened yet he was still seeking relationship with Adam and Eve even after sin came into the world and affected and, and broke all of creation not just their relationship but all of creation including the animal kingdom and the earth itself which is why God sent his son Jesus on a recovery mission to restore everything that was lost because of sin, to reconcile us with God, to restore our rulership under God, and also to restore the full image of being made in the image of God in our lives, which is Jesus. Jesus is the full image of God. Ephesians chapter four, verse 21 says, the truth is in Jesus that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. In other words, from the beginning, God's plan and intention was to bring you into a relationship with his son Jesus and to make you more and more like Jesus. God's ultimate goal for your life is not comfort, it is character development. That you would become more like Christ in every way, that you would grow spiritually. Listen, when you, when you look at your kids or you look at my kids, you can see the image and likeness of them, right? You can, you can see that in them. You can see my son Cohen, how much he looks like me. You can see my daughter Neve and how much she looks like her mom. Thank God for that. When people look at you, when they look at you, 
Do they see Jesus? Do you walk like him? Do you talk like him? Come on, do you live like him? Do you love like him? Do you have joy, his joy and his peace and his patience? Because the more you get to know him, the more time that you spend with him, the more you will become like Jesus. He wants to walk with you. He wants to talk with you. He wants to have a relationship with you. You were made in the image of God. <clears throat> I have a $100 bill in my pocket. If it's your second week here, I do not do illustrations with money every single week, but this is two weeks in a row. I happen to know a lot about the history of this $100 bill. Let's just call him Ben. And uh, Ben's, Ben's done some bad things. I won't tell you about in church. He's been to some bad places. He's done some bad things. He's made some bad decisions. He's been around some bad people. And he's had some bad stuff. He's had some evil things happen to him. Come on, he's been... He's been smashed, he's been abused, he's been mistreated, he's been stepped on, he's been kicked around. How many of you, and I'm not gonna do this by the way, but how many of you would say, I'll still take this $100 bill? Raise your, one person? Why? Because even though he's been through some stuff, the image, the image is still imprinted on him. The image of the United States, there he still has exactly the same value as he did when he was printed, when he was created, when he was made. Men and women, maybe you've been through some stuff. Maybe you've made some bad decisions. Listen, join the club. We're all sinners who need a savior. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, if anyone is in Christ, therefore if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. You are a brand new creation when you come to Jesus. Why? Because you are born again. Your spirit comes alive and everything that you've done, all of your sin, all of your brokenness, all of your guilt, all of your shame, all of your failures, all of your mistakes are washed away in his blood. And he, may, he doesn't refurbish you. He makes you a brand new person. Salvation is instantaneous. You get saved in a moment. You get pulled out of darkness in a moment. But sanctification, becoming like Jesus, is a lifelong process. And he's not done with you yet. You are made in the image of God. You have immense value to the Lord. He loves you so much. Close your eyes for a moment. We're going to close. and Maybe you're here today in just a private moment. Maybe you're watching online. And you don't really have a healthy self-image for whatever reason. But God spoke to you. You don't really like or love yourself. Maybe you've thought about taking your own life. I want to pray for you today. I want to pray for you today. Just, this is just private, but if that's you, say, John, would you pray for me? Just raise your hand. Wherever you are, just raise your hand. Raise your hand. Several hands going up here to this morning. You can just put, put your hands down. God, I just, we just thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your kindness. Lord, I just pray for my brothers and sisters here today. God, I pray that you would break this unhealthy, wrong, self, 
image off of them in the name of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. You would break that off of their lives and I pray that you would set them free. Pray God that they would have a fresh revelation of how you see them being made in your image being loved more than they can possibly imagine or fathom. Lord, walking in that freedom, Lord, that you give, knowing that they belong to you. They're your son, they're your daughter, in Jesus' name. Maybe you're here today, you could just keep your eyes closed one more moment and, and you're not in relationship with God. You've never made that decision or maybe you've walked away from the Lord and you wanna come back to him. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And friends, I've, I've shared with you already how much he loves you. He went to the cross, gave up his life, shed his blood for you and I, and then he rose from the dead. And he did it all so that you could have abundant and eternal life. And he wants to come in and make you a new person, make you a new creation, change and transform your heart and your life. Only Jesus can do that. He is the healer. He is the savior. He is the king. And you have free will. So you have to choose to accept him or reject him. The choice is yours. Nobody can make that decision for you. Maybe you're ready to make that decision today. Today's a day of salvation. If that's you, I want to give you that opportunity. Or maybe you've walked away from the Lord, but you want to come back to him. This is your moment. This is your opportunity right now. On the count of three, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand. If you're responding online, let us know. One two, three, raise your hand, hold your hand up high until I see you. I see you, friend, right there. Look at me, open up your eyes, open up your eyes. I see you, I met you, I was praying for you right after I met you, that's awesome. Anybody else here this morning? Anybody else here this morning? That's so good. Friend, look at me real quick, I won't say your name. Look at me, look at me, open up your eyes. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. I want to lead all of us in a prayer of faith and confession this morning. Would you say this in support of our friend who's making this, this decision? Let's say it loud together. Repeat after me, praise at a time. God, thank you for loving me. I know that I'm a sinner. Forgive me of all my sin. Right now I surrender my life to you. Jesus, be my Lord. Be my Savior. I want to live for you. Make me a new creation. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I declare that heaven is my home. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Come on, church, let's celebrate that this morning, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from The Cause Church. For more information about The Cause or for further resources, visit our website, thecause.cc or call 714-255-0930.